Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two on this Friday, May 19th, here on KDOS AM 1060, online at kdos1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. As I keep mentioning, it's Friday, so that means it's a Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits Friday. Von Hansen's, as you know, is not your normal meat market. Craft beer, wine, spirits, and amazing treats for your four-legged friends. Visit them, 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler. The weekend specials, here we go. Certified Angus Beef Choice T-Bone Steak, $15.99 a pound. Prime Pork. Pork loin back ribs at $6.99 a pound and fresh, boneless, skinless, stuffed chicken breast at $4.99 a pound. Bob, I'm sure the stuffed part is what got you, right? I could do all those things. Okay, very good. <laughs> uh, so visit yeah. them at 2390 North Alma School Road, and we'll have a $100 gift certificate available for you uh, later on in the program. But let's take a moment to reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. There's a game two tonight in the Eastern Conference Final. Who do you have ATS tonight in Boston? Heat plus nine or Celtics minus nine? And we've had a complete reversal here. The Heat are now on top, 70% of the vote. Celtics sitting at 30%. Yeah, it's kind of hard to lay nine with a team that's four and four straight up in the postseason, in my opinion. Obviously, I'm an underdog's preference player anyway. I'm not going to run out and take Miami. I was pretty fortunate to have the Lakers plus five and a half with the best number yesterday in covering that game. That was pretty fortunate is a good word, a good term for lucky. Uh, so uh, I'm going to just kind of uh, sit back and see if I can learn something as far as the rest of this series and how maybe to go the rest of the series by watching tonight. We will answer that question around 1130. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Does LeBron James shoot too many three-pointers? So far in this series, two games against the Nuggets, he's 0-4 in his three-point attempts. And the masses are on the resounding yes side of things at 100% of the vote. Also, if you just go to the playoffs in general and lump them together, cumulative 13 games this postseason for the Lakers and LeBron shooting 25% from behind the arc. We'll have more Lakers and Nuggets chatter uh, as game three is Saturday, 5.30 p.m., but we'll do that a little bit later on in the show. Let's take a break from basketball and dive into the world of Major League Baseball. There were only six games in Major League Baseball yesterday, but those included the Mets beating the Rays 3-2. to two. Tyler Megill, six innings pitch, four hits, two runs, one walk, four strikeouts, and one home run. Interestingly, though, we've noticed that there's been a lot of injuries to the Mets, pitchers, etc., but also their catching situation. And the Mets are now going to be calling up veteran catcher Gary Sanchez after having, like yeah. I said, several injuries at this position. And they don't need him, I don't think. I mean, uh, he was actually, I forgot, he, I don't remember which organization he was with to start the season, but 
the he Giants, had one of those I believe. Opt-out? Okay, that sounds well. They talk about a team that has catching issues. That would be the Giants right now. Yeah, with uh, you know a couple of their high draft picks and currently injured, so um, I don't get it. Um, yeah, he's a terrible receiver. Um, yeah, he's had some good years hitting. Uh, the Mets have Francisco Alvarez, who's the best catching prospect in baseball, already on their major league roster now, and he hasn't. Been, he's been okay. Uh, and his defensive his, his defensive skills have been better than you know what they were forecast at least when he was in the minor leagues. I got no idea what the hell they're doing. But as far as you mentioned McGill, and he's been you know, like a salvation for them. He's a U of A guy. Um, I believe it's like he's like four and one now. And you know, for a pitching staff that has had multiple starters either in on the injured list or just not good when they haven't been on the injured list. He's really kind of bailing them out. They won two out of three against Tampa, so maybe they're figuring some stuff out here. Uh, so we'll see what's uh, if that just it was one series or not. But it's not like they beat the worst team in the planet. They beat the best offensive team in baseball. Granted, Tampa Bay has got major pitching problems now, but they won two out of three. That's the first time that the Mets have won consecutive games since the middle of April. They had lost six consecutive series before they beat Tampa of all teams. Also, this interesting uh, this uh, weekend I think is interesting because the Mets are hosting Cleveland, and that's of course the Francisco Lindor reunion. Not just that, but you've got you know basically you know the middle infield of the Indians was the you know, the return on that trade for Lindor. So uh, I think there's even more eyeballs on the, the Mets uh, in Cleveland this weekend in Queens than there would normally would have been. Yankees beat the Blue Jays 4-2 to two yesterday. Nestor Cortez, six innings, five hits, two runs, one walk, six strikeouts, and one home run. And both Aaron Judge and Anthony Volpe hit home runs. Aaron Judge almost had a second one as well. Yeah, Volpe, actually, I think Judge hit a home run at least one in every game this series, and this was a weird series. I mean, it was a... Yeah, a lot of chirping back and forth between managers and coaches. And yesterday was Pete Walker, the pitching coach from Toronto, and Aaron Boone, manager of the Yankees, screaming at each other from dugout to dugout. I mean, it was this whole series was a lot going on. The the the, the, the sign stealing thing, I guess, it kind of started off on Monday. The Blue Jays television crew got involved in this somehow. Uh, it was it was nasty, and uh, the Yankees ended up winning three of the four games in the series. The Yankees have gotten a little bit healthier. They're supposed to get Stanton back and maybe even Severino this weekend, so that should help them tremendously in both those counts. And they've uh, they've now won, I believe it's ten of their last. I kind of had the note here, but I seemingly misplaced the note somewhere. But it's somewhere like ten out of 15, 11 out of sixteen. Uh, and they've been uh, incredibly uh, efficient hitting home runs in this particular month. You know, the Bronx Bombers, etc. At least this month, they're the Bronx Bombers again. And Stanton's not even back from injury. And Judge missed some of those games already this month. Card- so they've oh. been really good. I'm sorry. Cardinals beat the Dodgers 16-8 to here. The Cardinals hit seven home runs, including four off of Julio Urias. Uh, he only pitched three innings, six hits, six runs, two walks, one strikeout, and I said those four home runs. Definitely just an uncharacteristic night for Urias. 
Well, and Dave Roberts publicly said during the interview in the game during the game on MLB Network that they think that Urias was tipping his pitches, uh, which he explained that they had seven home runs in the game. Uh, the Cardinals, after that horrendous start, have now won nine out of eleven. Uh, now, depending on your viewpoint, they're only seven games behind. Uh, no, excuse me, nine games behind the Brewers uh, for first place in the in the uh, in the division. And I don't think anybody believes that the Brewers are like the 27 Yankees or something like the greatest team in history. Uh, but, you know, the uh, you know, I'm not advocating that the Cardinals are going to win the division, but, you know, they need some starting pitching at some point. They're going to have to go out and get some. But uh, this is a terrible division. And uh, even a team that started as poorly as the Cardinals, now just nine games behind, it's not impossible to think they could actually still catch Milwaukee and win the division. Uh, you know, the most recent example of a team that seemed like right about this point of the season you thought was done and finished would be the 2019 Nationals, who ended up winning the World Series. Now, that might be stretching it, but uh, I don't think the Cardinals are dead and gone, but they do need to make some roster additions, especially in their pitching staff, if they're going to make a run in any division. Moving into today and this weekend here, the Diamondbacks, they are in Pittsburgh taking on the Pirates. The D-backs sitting at 25-19, and 19, the Pirates at 23-20. and 20. Zach Gallen takes the mound, 6-1, 2.35 ERA, 70 strikeouts against Johan Oviedo, 2-3, uh, 5.14 ERA, 36 strikeouts. Yeah, and the Diamondbacks, I think, are you know, beyond the stage where they pretty much need to win every game that Gallen and Merrill Kelly start. Uh, because the rest of their rotation and much of the bullpen is just not any good. Uh, so they're a seven and two so far this year in the games that Gallon has started. He's pitching today. Kelly is pitching on Sunday. Neither of them will pitch in the series at Philadelphia uh, unless they move Gallon back a day, um, move him up a day actually, and skip somebody, which is entirely possible and maybe even suggested uh, by me. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. But, you know, when he's out there, they kind of need to win. And uh, Brandon Fott's pitching the uh, uh, game in between, and we've seen him three times at the major league level. The last start was good. The first two starts was home run derby and disasters both times. Now, I'm sure you saw this bit of news here that uh, a couple of days ago, Gallon was out there uh, getting in some pitches, and he struck a bird with a curveball. Now, what are the odds? I mean, I'm sure you don't know what the odds are, but like, what are the odds of a pitcher striking a bird, let alone the odds of it happening from two pitchers that come from the same team? I mean, that has to be like one in a million or something. I don't know. It's like 20 yards, 20 years apart, right? Yes. Like Randy Johnson. Yeah. So I think that's it, a long yeah. time ago. We're coming up on that the 20 year anniversary, or it was right. like in March. I mean, that was still in Tucson when they were still doing spring training in Tucson. So that was a really long time ago. So it's been a while. I guess, you know, I, I do not know the odds. I can't <laughs> help you there. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't think he got arrested uh, or anything like that. So even though I'm sure in some states there's probably some ordinances from God knows when that uh, you can get arrested for such a thing. Brewers at Rays. Uh, as it was this morning here, the Rays had yet to announce who their pitcher was going to be for the Brewers. It is going to be Adrian They Hauser. probably don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they probably, you know, they, they have no idea. That's probably going to be an opener. You know, their pitching staff is just beyond a mess at this point. Uh, and, 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think that. I think they've built up enough enough equity and a big enough lead not to uh, completely fade out of the uh, playoff picture. But you know, their hitting has been incredible so far this year. It's going to have to maintain this level for them to, you know, I think win the East. And uh, you know, they're they're they're. You know, I don't remember a team that's been depleted in starting and relief pitching. Uh, as much as the uh, as the as the Rays have been in like the course of a three week stretch. In addition to that, it's just continuing their daunting month of May as well, with only one day off in this entire month. Uh, so they have yeah. quite a stretch ahead. Orioles in a much in a much tougher schedule. Also, they have, I believe they had the toughest schedule schedule strength wise based on April in the month of May, as opposed to the first month of the season when they had the easiest schedule. Orioles 28 and 16 versus the Blue Jays 25 and 19. Kyle Gibson 4 and 3, 4.67 ERA, 36 strikeouts. UC Kikuchi 5 and 0, 3.89 ERA, 40 strikeouts. Yeah, um, yeah. My lack of reluctance, uh, reluctance, you know, just completely, total reluctance. Let's let's let me phrase it that way. Of uh, supporting the Orioles long term is based on their starting pitching, and Kyle Gibson. Like he's a fourth and fifth starter on most good teams. He is the ace of the Orioles staff. That's not good. And uh, the fact that he is the ace of the Orioles staff is why I just can't imagine them having long-term success this season. Uh, And they're clearly a team that needs to go out and get some starting pitching if they're going to take this year seriously. They do have a ton, and I mean a ton, of prospects that a lot of teams would be interested in. The worst news for the Orioles here is the starting pitching market is going to be A, very thin, and B, extremely costly. So you're going to have to give up one of your top prospects, no matter if you're the Orioles or anybody else, uh, to get a prime starting pitcher that's going to make a difference this season, unless there's some kind of startling change between now and the trade deadline, which is you know roughly six, seven weeks away. It's not that far away. The Battle of the Bryces. Mariners are sending out Bryce Miller, 2-0, uh, 0.47 ERA, 18 strikeouts against the Braves. Bryce Elder, 3-0, 1.94 ERA, 39 strikeouts. Miller's been incredible so far. Yeah, he's only been, I believe this is his fourth start. Uh, but, yeah, he's just been great so far for Seattle. They seem to, be, uh, they seem to do a very good job developing pitchers. Uh, in Seattle, maybe somebody should figure out what the heck they're doing. Maybe everybody else should figure out what they're doing uh, because pitcher development seems to be kind of at an all-time low, quite frankly, in Major League Baseball. Uh, as far as the Braves, uh, Elder is part of the uh, you know the Braves' uh, AAA rotation at this point. And uh, you know, much like Tampa Bay, uh, the Braves have just been decimated by starting pitching injuries, and unfortunately, they've got you know, a couple of their guys, Kyle Wright, and also uh, you know, you know, Max Freed. They're both out for several more weeks, uh, so you know, the Braves are just kind of uh, you know, like Tampa Bay. I mean, they're both really good offensively, but they're going to have to you know, hit beyond belief to kind of uh, you know, stay where they're at right now. Dodgers and Cardinals continue their series. Tony Gonsolin, 1-1, one 1.42 one, ERA, 16 strikeouts. Steven Matz, 0-4, 5.62 ERA, 37 strikeouts. Yeah, the fact that Matz is still in the rotation here for the Cardinals gives you an idea of their rotation. You know, I mentioned that uh, 
I don't think they're completely out of it, but they got to go out and get some starting pitching from somewhere. Uh, you know, I know that they thought they signed Mats to a couple-year contract uh, before last season. This just has turned out to be a disaster at this point when he's been healthy, which hasn't been all the time. Uh, he's not very good, as those numbers show. As far as the Dodgers, Gonsolin, in, uh, you know, coming back from injury, this is like maybe, I don't know exactly, it's his third or maybe fourth start. Uh, he was tremendous last season before he was injured. Uh, tried to make it through the playoffs. That didn't work out. He didn't make it through last year. And was part of the, uh, you know, I wouldn't even call it really a starting rotation, but part of the mess that had helped them, uh, you know, or actually hindered them in that series and you know, watched them get eliminated by San Diego last year. But Consolins looked good so far this season. As long as he's healthy, he's really good. And uh, right now the Dodgers have got some major pitching issues with obviously – you know, the injury earlier this week, and then they've got, you know, Walker Bueller. He's may not going to, may not pitch as a starter all season. If he comes back at all, there's speculation that he might be a relief pitcher. So the Dodgers running out of starting pitching is just kind of, uh, you know, if you would have, you know, a couple of years ago, they had like 10 guys. <laughs> and uh, now they're, they're going to have to call up some guys from the minor leagues. Now, the good news for the Dodgers, at least they have a couple of guys that are highly thought of as far as pedigree and so forth. I'm not sure you know, if, if they're ready for the major leagues right now. If they were ready for them, if they wanted them to be in the major leagues right now, they would have started the season on the roster. But now they're uh, going to have to make a decision with the Bobby Millers of the world and others. Uh, you know, they've got to find out if these guys can pitch like right now. And, uh, you know, the good news for the Dodgers is the rest of the division, quite frankly, is not good, and I apologize, but that includes the Diamondbacks, who, God bless them, are above 500. But if you watch the Diamondbacks pitch every day or try to pitch every day uh, from uh, first inning through ninth inning, they're not a very good team. I think they're an average team at best, which might be enough to make the postseason, but I don't think it's enough to challenge the Dodgers no matter how many issues they have during the regular season. Well, along those lines as well, the Padres, they're taking on the Red Sox. Blake Snell gets a start. The Padres need to start getting some wins. Yeah, I think we're at the point where it may not happen. If the Do if they're one game ahead of Colorado. They're one game from being last place in the uh, National League West. Big thing in this series is Xander Bogarts gets to go against the Red Sox, his former team. I'm sure the Red, you know, the Red Sox just basically didn't want to pay him, and he got paid plenty in San Diego, and He's been, for the most part, pretty good this season, but of late, he's been part of their putrid offense as he's slumped some. 602-260-1060. If you'd like to join the show, we'll get your calls now and get to you on the other side of the break. In addition to that, we'll also touch on Game 3, Saturday, Nuggets at Lakers. It's the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. HD Radio is here for KDOS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2.
726 here on KDOS AM 1060, as always online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Recommend downloading the KDOS app and take advantage of the listener rewards available to you after you register to vote. There's a $100 gift certificate on the line in the month of May coming to you from Superbook Sports. As we continue our NBA playoff conversation here, Game 3 is Saturday in Los Angeles with the Nuggets on top 2-0 in the series. Nuggets plus 5.5, Lakers minus 5.5. It tips off at 5.30 p.m. on Saturday. The Lakers find themselves in a position where they are undefeated in the playoffs this year at home. Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, also, it's not like the Nuggets have been tremendous on the road. I mean, they obviously won the final game here a week ago last night against the Suns, but there's a big difference between them home and road so far, not just in the regular uh, postseason, but definitely in the regular season. I mean, they've been, like I've mentioned several times this week, they haven't lost a home game since March. Uh, So that's many games. I don't know exactly how many games going back, but it's a bunch. So that's that's on their side. Uh, I think also, you know, whether it's home or road, I think the, the one thing that the uh, the, uh, the Nuggets kind of stopped doing in the second half last night on a good side is the first game and a half of the series, they fouled way too often. Remember the first game, four of their five starters had at least five fouls. Last night they had you know, t- you know Gordon and also Porter, uh, had you know two fouls in the first five minutes of the game, and uh, you know, yeah, Porter had three by halftime. Uh, but the second half, they didn't foul nearly as much. I think that's partly because the you know, Lakers uh, settled for too many threes, not just LeBron, but they, they took way too many three-pointers. And when they actually ran their offense and got the ball to the rim, you know, they did rather well, but they didn't do it enough. So I would assume between that being an obvious thing and uh, the fact that they're playing at home, that they'll get much uh, they'll have much better shot selection and they've had another day to go through video or whatever they do. Uh, and, uh, I would expect a spirited, and uh, uh, I think the Lakers win tomorrow night, in fact. So LeBron rolled his left ankle in that fourth quarter. He stepped on Anthony Davis. He was asked about it postgame. He said he'll be ready to go, and nothing is keeping him from playing. He did look a little bit hobbled there at the end, but uh, a couple of days rest and and back home in L.A., he's going to be playing. It leads me, though, to my next question. Does the lack of extended rest with Saturday being the next time they play, does this help or hurt any team or player in particular? Oh, wow. Um, I guess so. If LeBron's ailing some, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, he's plenty of games that they played in these postseason uh, uh, contests that, you know, he has not had an ankle issue. Uh, and he's, you know, I'm mystified at how he just continues to jack up threes. Uh, he's not making them. He's also at times, more times than not, probably unstoppable when he puts the ball on the floor and tries to get to the basket. You know, we talked about Murray and all his spectacular offensive you know, things in the fourth quarter last night. Yeah, maybe the best play he made the whole game, there was a, you know, still, I think it was a five-point differential at the time. Uh, he did an incredible job of stepping in front of LeBron and preventing him from getting to the basket once and forcing LeBron to pass, and that turned out to be a missed shot, that possession. 
But I, I just don't understand why the Lakers, which they seem to have an edge when they pass the ball and work the ball inside and get to the rim, and then they're jacking up 20-some three-pointers per game. I don't, I don't understand that. And I actually think Darvin Ham's done a really good job with this team, especially when you consider the fact that they had such a roster turnover. Then they improved as far as talent goes, but that doesn't always mean that you're going to win more games. Uh, and clearly, you know, he did a good job of taking the improved talent and for and getting them to win more, and including the last series against the Warriors. Uh, but that has not seemed to have much of a, a factor in the first two games of this series. I assume that that will change for at least one game in Los Angeles. And, you know, we'll, we'll be back by the time that they play, you know, the second game in L.A. in game four of the series. And uh, maybe we'll make a, you know, a, an adjustment in that opinion at that point. But uh, not right now. Like I said, I, I would be actually surprised if the Lakers lost tomorrow night considering all the factors involved, home road, and, and you know, the, quote, desperation factor, etc. And maybe um, they don't jack up as many stupid threes. I know that you and I have talked about this in terms of LeBron uh, and just how many minutes he's played over his career and just how many extra games he's played because his teams always are in the playoffs more times than not, right? And on yesterday's broadcast, they mentioned that he's played in 279 career playoff games, which is accounting for nearly three and a half more NBA seasons. That's just remarkable when you put that into context. That's true. I, uh, I think he also intelligently, he takes some time off during games when he's on the floor. I mean, he's, uh, yeah, I've mentioned this a few times uh, in the last, you know, since the playoffs started, certainly. You know, he's not going all out full bore for 48 minutes. It's not like, the series, uh, I forgot what year it was. Now I've got all my years mixed up here. But the year that they came back and from the deficit and beat the beat the Warriors in the finals when he was still in Cleveland, yeah, that was, I mean, he had to go all out every second, every game for them to have a chance to win that series. You know, they had the, the infamous block shot where he you know, ran like 50 feet to block the shot from behind. That was kind of the, the play that turned that series. Uh, in the Cavaliers' favor, but uh, he can't do that anymore. Uh, he just needs you know, a little more help from some teammates here, too. And uh, the fact that I'm, like, I'm going to keep going back to this, but they just jack up too many threes, and I don't give a damn what the metrics say. If you're not making them, they can't be helping you. You talk about help from teammates. Uh, definitely D'Angelo Russell and Dennis Schroeder had a couple of struggling uh, shooting nights, so getting them back uh, and uh, – productive in the point column would certainly be helpful yeah that's true even though i think there's a huge difference between those two players because schroeder's a really good defender uh and uh, there was i know some speculation or you know, criticism in fact last night that why wasn't he on murray a little more frequently he was some uh but shouldn't he be on murray like all the time uh so we'll see if that's something they change yeah, they, uh, yeah, the Vanderbilt thing is at the starting lineup. I actually thought that was working pretty well, and then he kind of like disappeared. I don't know what happened with that. Uh, as far as D'Angelo Russell, you know, I'm not a big fan of his, obviously. Uh, from, you know, stemming back from his days at Ohio State, I've often on this show called him the most selfish athlete in the history of the Ohio State University. 
And I actually don't really think that's terribly arguable unless you want to throw in David Boston as a possibility <laughs> as for football. Uh, but he, he, if he's not, I think the one thing that is inarguable, even if you're a D'Angelo Russell fan, God bless you if you've actually made that, you know, made that stand over the years. Uh, but if he's not scoring, you got to get him off the floor because he isn't going to guard anybody. The umbrellas are out at Oak Hill, Rochester, PGA Championship. Scotty Scheffler, he's still out in front, uh, five under par for the tournament. Victor Hovland, he's in a tie for second at four under par. He's two under through two holes to get his second round started. And Bryson DeChambeau is getting ready to get his round underway here. I think he's standing on the first tee. But it's that time right now. The $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits could be yours. Caller to 602 602-260-1060, caller two for the $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The weekend specials for you, certified Angus beef choice T-bone steak, $15.99 a pound, prime pork loin back ribs at $6.99 a pound, and fresh boneless skinless stuffed chicken breast at $4.99 a pound. Visit them at 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler. Poll questions are coming up next right here on KDOS AM 1060. Need social information about KDUS AM 1060? Try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. Congratulations to our winner of the $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Visit them online at vonhansensmeats.net. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's get into the poll questions here, and we'll start things off with the KDOS1060.com poll question, which is, with the game tonight in the Eastern Conference Finals, who do you have ATS the Heat plus nine or the Celtics minus nine? Um, probably not going to have a financial interest here, but uh, given the choices and given my, you know, kind of my history or background or my preference, uh, I can only consider taking the Heat plus nine. Uh, I know that this is a must-win situation, quote unquote, for the Celtics and so forth, but. I think it would be very difficult. In fact, I think it's impossible for me to consider betting on a team that is four and four straight up in the postseason, and now they're laying nine points at home. Yeah, so nine is just a lot. That's just a lot of points. I mean, the Celtics do have the opportunity and uh, the ability, I should say, to light it up from three. Jason Tatum, we obviously were just a couple of games removed from him scoring, scoring 51 points. And if the Heat cool off in their shooting of the threes, then it could be a Celtics game going away. But just to count on the Celtics to be in that position and pull that off, that's hard to do. Uh, you do have to get Jason Tatum involved in the game more in the fourth quarter play to play to your strengths here uh with that said i do think that the celtics are going to win tonight i just think that nine is asking a lot understandable uh i would imagine tatum will be involved uh he was pretty involved the first three quarters of their night so i don't know what happened in the fourth and uh you know i think a lot of that has to do with coachings personally but then when he did get the ball uh he wasn't good and uh turned the ball over and didn't score any points in that fourth quarter. 
So we'll see what happens. I would imagine that, uh, you know, like I said, I'm just going to go back to the bottom line. It's just I, there's no way that I could lay points, nine points with a team that is four and four straight up in the postseason so forth. Just can't do it. However, I can picture a scenario if the Heat fall behind that, you know, that then even the Heat, as you know, strong-minded as they are, thanks to Spolstra, I could see that game getting out of hand if they would actually fall behind and you know, maybe just make sure that you know, Butler still got that ankle thing from the first series. They mentioned that even during the game the other night. Uh, but unlike others, he's able to apparently play through some ankle problems as opposed to, say, Devin Booker and, and LeBron James. Every time that those two guys have a bad game, it's like there's some kind of injury excuse for them. You know, basically, Butler doesn't care about that. Uh, yeah, so the Celtics, though, here, certainly they're going to have to play well. And as we talked about as well, that pressure is going to be paramount for them to make sure that they're going back to Miami 1-1. But the masses here, they're on the heat side of things at plus 9. The Celtics, minus 9, uh, 33% of the vote. Heat plus 9, 67%. Celtics, minus 9, 33%. Messed that one up there. Uh, KDOS1060.com's poll question. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at kdos am. Does LeBron James shoot too many three-pointers? In these playoffs, LeBron is shooting 23.3% from three. He averages 6.4 attempts per game. In game one of the Western Conference Finals, he's 0 for 4. Game two, 0 for 6. Before I get to my answer, Bob, I have a question for you. What do you make of the phrase, shooters shoot? Uh, It's really wonderful if they're good shooters. How's that? Okay. Uh, So for me, I'm looking at this and saying, okay, the statistics are not there for you, but LeBron, you are a well-rounded player. You have the ability to get it to the, to the rim, make that a little bit more part of your game. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe it's just age that like he's kind of picking and choosing when he's going to go to the rim, because there were a couple of times in that game yesterday where he did take it to the rim and was, and did it, did so with ease. So I was a little surprised that in the last couple of series and in this particular series as well that he was settling for so many threes uh you know put the pressure on the defense put the pressure on the nuggets and to force you into like a foul situation as well uh don't give them the easy way out of settling for the three i don't know if maybe we're also critical of it because it it seems like it's rearing its head in such critical impactful moments that the game could be in balance one way or another and it's so important that the possession comes away with points and the possession doesn't come away with points and so it really exacerbates well that wasn't the right shot choice i think it's actually always been uh you know, it's, you know i don't think there's any argument that he's not the greatest player in history uh because of the way that the game is played now is much different than his predecessors, whether it even be Kobe in his early years, but definitely Michael Jordan, it was tackle basketball uh, when Michael Jordan was playing, and now you touch a guy and it's a foul. So I'm never going to buy this garbage that LeBron's the greatest player of all time. But he's obviously one of the best players ever, no doubt about that. I think the biggest criticism throughout the years, though, is he you know, tries to you know, prove that he's a three-point shooter. And I don't think that's certainly uh, not his strength, no doubt about that. Uh, you know, I think early in his career he was trying to prove 
that he was a three-point shooter to shut up some of the critics. And I don't know exactly what the excuse is now or if there is an excuse. Uh, I do think that you know, there's been times where he certainly settled for threes because you know, he's a little worn down. I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, just can't play the, the full 48-minute game from start to finish at this point at full bore. Uh, but uh, you know he shoots he shoots too many threes, and I've been you know that it's not like this is a new novel idea that you know we use for a poll question today. But it was certainly a major problem last night when he took the three threes in the fourth quarter when it was either a one or two score game, and he missed them all, and really none of them were close. It's not like they went in and out or anything, and they and two of the three were early in the shot clock, and they didn't need to take a three at that point. Let me ask this question here. Would you rather settle for LeBron shooting the three? Like, if you're a Lakers fan, LeBron shooting the three early in the shot clock, missing, or settling for a possession where the ball is swinging around and someone else shoots the three and misses? Well, I don't want anybody shooting a three for the Lakers. I mean, when you got Anthony Davis as a you know possible inside guy and you know, get to the rim and he's really good when he gets to the rim most of the time not last night he got to the rim last night just missed shots uh, but i don't think the lakers really have anybody that i would prefer shooting a three as opposed to davis or lebron getting into the paint and then making a decision from there if lebron's gonna you know, i think the best thing he does is yeah, I think he's the best thing he's always done. In fact, he played, I believe it was his second NBA game was here in Phoenix. And I remember, you know, I watched him plenty, you know, in high school and whatever because they were on all the time. All his high school games were on, and we knew he was going to be the first pick of the draft, etc. But I think the best thing he's done throughout the large majority, if not all of his career, is he's such a good passer and decision maker get into the paint and then make I'd rather have him make a decision in the paint or at least heading to the basket as opposed to just jacking up a three and, and sometimes the last resort last night it wasn't the last resort and I thought he made some poor decisions last night and I've rarely said that about him over the years the masses, though, are firmly on the yes side of things at 100% of the vote with the question, does LeBron James shoot too many three-pointers? That's on Twitter, at KDOS AM 1060. We wrap probably up. The wrong day, probably the wrong day to ask this question. <laughs> yeah, so, after an O for night and an O for yeah, series so far. In 20-something percent during the playoffs from behind the arc. So maybe not the best timing on the question, but it seemed to be a pretty obvious question. We wrap up this edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break this Friday, May 19th, and of course wrap things up for the week as well. The PGA Championship underway. Scotty Scheffler continues to lead. Uh, Corey Connors has found himself now in a tie for second as the page is refreshing. He is one under par through four holes. Bryson DeChambeau has teed off. As I mentioned, Victor Hovland had got himself into a tie for second, and shortly thereafter he made a bogey, so he's found himself in fourth three under par for the tournament one final segment to go on this edition of extra point it's coming up next easy sports talk with former nfl and mlb player ed smith and co-host javon adams airs saturday mornings 10 to noon on kdus am 1060 
19th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. But it's that time once again, Bob. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else sip the cracks. Also, our guests today, plural, Keith Smith, Celtics Talk, Celtics Blog, among many things that Keith does. So uh, check out the podcast there, and uh, he gave you the full rundown of the Keith Smith, uh, you know, you know, potpourri of things that he does on social media etc also we had a preakness preview with sean alvarez sound of the day courtesy of tnt espn bally sports arizona abc kmox in st louis uh, wcbs uh, in new york city and also wei in boston also, special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next, right here on KDUS AM 1060, it is Sports Map Radio Network from noon to 1 o'clock, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, followed by the Sports with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6. And that's making way for ASU baseball with game number two as the series continues against UCLA. Things get started right at 6 o'clock here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app, ASU Baseball walked it off against UCLA last night, 5-4. to four. Uh, So plenty of things are still on the line for ASU Baseball as the final regular season concludes on Saturday, and the Pac-12 tournament will begin next week. More things happening in the world of sports here locally, the Diamondbacks, Zach Gallen is on the mound against the Pirates, 3.45 p.m. on Bally Sports, Arizona. You then also have the Phoenix Mercury getting their season started in L.A., 8 p.m. on ESPN. Speaking of ESPN, uh, it, it this has been talked about for quite some time, but it looks like it's really moving into a direction of coming to fruition sooner rather than later. ESPN is nearing a linear direct-to-consumer product. They've dubbed it Project Flagship. And uh, I saw something on Twitter that was like, would have really appreciated it if they would have called it Project Mothership, because that's obviously what, you know, their nickname is the mothership ESPN, but uh, you can still get ESPN on cable if you want, but they're working out the necessary flexibility to launch this from two league partners at least. Then, of course, they'll be starting negotiations for the NBA, but it's eventually going to be cutting out uh, cable and you'll be able to get ESPN programming directly to you. Great. So uh, I don't know if that is that going to cost me more or less. Probably more, huh? I don't think anything costs less, right? <laughs> yeah. So great. I mean, just uh, as I've, uh, you know, maybe I was way ahead of the curve here, but uh, at some point of our, you know, may, hopefully my lifetime, because I'm not sure how much my lifetime is going to extend at this point, but I would imagine in the next few years, it's gonna everything is gonna be pay per view, which I've predicted for probably too long because it hasn't happened yet. No, we're uh, you know it's it's interesting because ESPN already has their streaming platform, which is ESPN Plus, but those are like additional uh, right. 
offerings, this would be exactly what you would normally get. Uh, ESPN cable, you turn it on noon, this is what the program is going to be. That would go directly to you. So we're certainly in for some interesting times. And then, of course, how that all plays out in terms of uh, when you're looking at league negotiations, etc. It's going to be a fascinating media landscape ahead. Yeah, if they weren't actually, yeah, if they're, if, if they weren't, you know, if that didn't include games themselves, if it was just ESPN programming without games, I would drop that in a second. I mean, I don't really, I watch less and less ESPN all the time now. The only thing I really do watch is that I do like the now current 3 p.m. Sports Center because uh, that's where I steal some ideas for pipeline questions. Uh, but that's about the only non-game programming that I watch on ESPN anymore. Yeah, I don't think you're in the minority with that sentiment that uh, ESPN gets its bump uh, from programs that lead into games and then games themselves. And uh, the NBA playoffs have obviously been a great boon for for the ESPN cluster of families. And then you throw in TNT as well. They've been doing really well so far this season. That's true. Um, and and uh, there's been some interesting, juicy matchups as far as star players and, you know, marquee teams. Uh, so, and, uh, you know, I don't think uh, it'd be interesting to see you know, where, if Denver goes to the finals, uh, I'm guessing that their ratings in the finals are going to be not as high as they have been in some finals in the past because Denver's obviously not a, a big market team. And there's supposedly, you know, this West Coast, you know, regional bias crap, which I've never quite believed. Uh, even when I lived in the central time zone, I didn't think that that was really terribly accurate. But anyway, uh, if Denver makes the postseason, I'm curious to see what the uh, postseason, the finals rankings will be for them against whomever. Especially if it's Miami. I mean, if it's Denver or Miami, that's got to be like an all-time low in recent years as far as just television ratings. Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, Certified Angus Beef Choice, T-Bone Steak, $15.99 a pound, Prime Pork Loin, Back Ribs at $6.99 a pound, and Fresh Boneless Skinless Stuffed Chicken Breasts at $4.99 a pound. Visit them at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler or online at vonhansensmeats.net. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic weekend. Talk to you on Monday.